The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he, laid, when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Be seated, please. So this is a question that's sort of for the kids in the room. Have you ever been put in timeout? I guess te technically it applies to the adults as well. Uh, although maybe I would ask the adults, have you ever given your kid a timeout? Have you ever put your kid in a timeout? Okay. It's not fun, is it? It's not the most fun experience in the world. But there's two different ways that you can give someone a timeout. One tactic is to sternly say, sit down, be quiet, you're in timeout. There's another way that you can give someone a timeout. By gently saying, come and rest. Come and rest. That is similar to how law and gospel works in the Bible. You can be put in timeout using the law, or you can be put in timeout using the gospel. Now, let me clarify a couple of things that are commonly misunderstood about law and gospel, because it's something that Lutherans talk about a lot. One is to say that if it's a command, then it's a law. Thou shalt is a law. And if it's a promise, well, then it's the gospel. When Jesus says, I am with you, that's the gospel. Another misunderstanding is to say that the Old Testament is the law, because that's where all the rules were, right? And the New Testament is the gospel, because that's where all the life-giving parts of the Bible are. Unfortunately, both of those ways of explaining law and gospel are too simplistic. In reality, all of the Bible is law and all of the Bible is gospel. This is because of the way that the Spirit works and moves when we hear and open our hearts up to God's Word. Any part of the Bible can be received as law and any part of the Bible can be received as gospel. All of the Bible does both. 
law and gospel to us. All of the Bible can kill our old sinful self. And all of the Bible can resurrect us to new life in Christ. And the Sabbath is a perfect example of how this works. Everyone remembers the Sabbath comes to us, the third commandment of the ten. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days a week you will work. Seventh is the Sabbath, complete rest, holy convocation, shall not work, right? The problem with making something a law is that it quickly turns into an argument about interpretation. And in some cases, that's what the Jewish religion had become during Jesus' time. Jewish law had identified 39 different categories of activity that were prohibited on the Sabbath. I looked it up just to see what it was for fun. Here are the things that Jewish law says you can't do on the Sabbath. Planting, plowing, reaping, gathering, threshing, winnowing, sorting, dissection, sifting, kneading, cooking, shearing, laundering, combing, dyeing, spinning yarn, warping, threading, weaving, separating threads, tying, untying, sewing, tearing, trapping, killing, flaying, curing, smoothing, scoring, cutting, writing, erasing, construction, demolition, extinguishing a fire, ignition, fine-tuning, or transferring between domains. Unless, unless, it's to save a human life. There's an exception to all of these Sabbath laws. If a human life is in danger, then you can, then you can break them. So, follow me here. The Sabbath starts with, you shall do no work. And that gets interpreted to mean 39 different categories of activity that are prohibited. And then each of the different rabbis would have their own interpretations of what the exact definition of each of those 39 categories meant. When something becomes a commandment, the conversation always shifts to technicalities. Which is why Jesus points out the argument over untying an ox or a donkey. Rabbis would have argued over whether untying an animal to water it counted as work. And if the consensus was, no, it doesn't count as work, then Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy. You untie an animal so that it can drink water and live, but you won't allow another human to be unbound from their ailment. The Sabbath as law can also be understood as the Sabbath as gospel. Here's a quote I want to share from Abraham Joshua Heschel that I think gets at this idea of what Sabbath as gospel means. Six days a week we wrestle with the world, wringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. So, you see how Sabbath as law can be constricting. But the Sabbath can also be a release. It can be a freeing from bondage. It can also be the source of new life. That's an example of how the Bible is both law and gospel. You are created 
in the image of God. And by God's design, there is a pattern of work and rest. That means if God, who created everything, sets up this pattern of rest, then so should you. But more than that, the Sabbath is a reminder that your existence is not defined by your production. You are not what you do. You are not what you create or what you earn. You are a being, not a doing. You are loved by God for who you are, exactly as you are. You are not loved because of what you do. You are not loved because of what you produce. You are not loved because of what you accomplish. You are loved just for being, not doing. Furthermore, Sabbath is anti-empire propaganda. Empires are meritocracies. A meritocracy is a system in which the talented are chosen and moved ahead on the basis of their achievement. In an empire, you are valued for what you do. If you have any worth, it's directly based on what you can produce for the emperor. But the Sabbath says no to empire. Sabbath says come and rest. You are not valuable because of what you do. You are valuable because you are a beloved child of God. This isn't the first time that Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath in the gospel according to Luke. There's actually five separate occasions where Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath in the gospel according to Luke. He heals the man with the unclean spirit. He heals Simon's mother-in-law with the fever. He heals the man with the withered hand. He heals the woman who's doubled over today. And he heals a man with edema. That's five separate times when Jesus tries to redefine the Sabbath as gospel. The Pharisees, always watching, always noticing, always noticing when Jesus is doing things and what he's doing. By the way, whenever you find yourself keeping tabs on someone, whenever you're keeping a tally of what others are doing, you're in the world of the law. The gospel according to Sabbath, is rest, freedom, and wholeness. Now, I have to say something about disability. In Jesus' time, disability was viewed as an outward sign of an inward defect. The prevailing wisdom of the day went like this. This man is blind, so who sinned, him or his parents? The woman in today's story, would have been viewed by some as defective. Physically, socially, morally. She's doubled over, which is the posture of shame. Now, today, we no longer say that a person with a disability is bound by Satan. We say that people with disabilities are created in God's image just as much as anyone else is. They are whole, not defective. 
people with disabilities are not in need of healing. They're to be celebrated for who they are. In many stories, Jesus heals people just by announcing it, without touching them, only speaking it. In this story, however, Jesus touches the woman. And there's a connecting thread to who Jesus touches when offering healing. Jesus offers his touch to those who are socially outcast. Think about the person with leprosy. Think about the woman who was hemorrhaging. Jesus is demonstrating this idea. People are more important than beliefs. It's fine to have beliefs about God and the way that the world is supposed to work, but when those beliefs become more important than people, we've missed the point. People are the point. And Jesus said to the people on that Sabbath, this daughter of Abraham is the point. I have two questions that I want you to ponder as I finish up. What beliefs are you holding on to that have become burdens on the backs of others? And what burdens are you doubled over by that need Jesus' touch? Amen.